Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first state invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today, one of the best films of the year. I think a surefire Oscar contender. It's called Vice, starring Christian Bale as former Vice President Dick Cheney, and Amy Adams as his wife, Lynn Cheney. Also, one of our favorite culinary shows is currently on Netflix, and it's called The Final Table. And we have a lot to say about this over-the-top international cooking competition. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. We give a nod to the big sky country home of Vice President Dick Cheney with a toast to another ranching family turned winemaker, Anne and Pat Stotesbury of Ladera Vineyards. And to pair with The Final Table, a few pairings for your holiday table. Wow. As it is yeah. holiday time. Ding, ding, diddly, ding, but ding, diddly. first, diddly. let's talk about Vice, Gary. Okay, this is a crazy, crazy film. And this is the director um, of, of Adam, Adam McKay, who did The Big Short. But he goes all the way back to doing all these goofy comedies, including Anchorman. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see Steve Carell in there. We love Anchorman. Because, it's yeah. Anchorman, not Anchor Lady. It's Anchorman, not Anchor Lady. Um, over here working on my quads. Yeah, sorry. So Vice is really a. It's, how do I explain Vice? It's kind of like trying to explain The Big Short, which was really about the stock market and and all kinds of things, all things financial, and how in that movie they used and mortgages and, the and mortgages whole, the and whole rise and fall of yeah, the mortgage industry, yeah. bad loans, bad mortgages, yeah. and uh, you know the up and downside of all of that. And the big fallout. But in this, they're trying to explain politics. And every once in a while, he'll do asides like he did in the big short, where someone will explain a little bit about how politics works. But it's not somebody in politics. It's somebody else yeah. outside of it, where in, in uh, the big short, they would have waiters yeah. and chefs yeah. in the kitchen kind of explain Anthony money Bourdain matters. Anthony was in it, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he does these odd asides. And so when we first sat down to watch Vice, I was kind of bothered by the first 30 minutes because I wasn't connecting. And it was kind of an odd, quirky, over-the-top, everybody's kind of a caricature of themselves. But I learned a lot about Dick Cheney. Right. Well, the first 30 minutes, it's, it's you, you are in what is present day, which is basically 9-11. Right. Um, and then you go back to Cheney's life. So you have to kind of get into that rhythm of, of right. being in the present and being in the past and then and and kind of understanding because you are really thrown into the middle the middle of a conversation. Yeah, you're thrown opening. into the middle of it. And yeah. you have to pay yeah. attention in these movies because yeah. these are very smart movies. Yeah. And I'm not going to say this is a, a big homage to Dick and Lynn Cheney because it's not. <laughs> it's not. At all. It's, in fact, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like I think The Big Short was not an homage to, hey, look how great the mortgage industry yeah. was. No, yeah. it wasn't. It was a mess. And it really explains his life of how he got into politics. And it really begins with his relationship with Lynn mm-hmm. and how he was kind of a loser and kind of a, it was you a know. Mess. 
He was a mess. And, and she, she was driven. And she was driven and challenged but him. But she couldn't do it because the, at the time, women weren't, right. she, you know, she was supposed to be staying at home and being, you know, the woman behind her man. Right. And and <laughs> I like the, the scene where he shows up at a speech by Rumsfeld. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rumsfeld, notorious for what happened in Vietnam mm-hmm. with this country. Mm-hmm. And decides then that he wants to be a Republican. Mm-hmm. That he had really not really thought about his politics. I don't know that he had really thought about a lot. A lot, <laughs> right? According to the film, right? Yeah. So I've, I've been it's, around Dick Cheney a couple times. Mm-hmm. I've been around Lynn Cheney a few times, but and I, but I'm not friends and I don't know them. But I was he he was always kind of an odd Dick Cheney, and in the movie portrayed as somebody who's so not enigmatic, so not your guy, your friend. Mm-hmm. He's not a good speaker. Mm-hmm. He's he doesn't have a great big personality. He sits back and lays back and listens. He doesn't speak. That's and, that's doesn't, what it is. And then conspires mm-hmm. and to, and wants to know how the whole political system works so he can manipulate it. And yeah, I mean, I think that that's actually something that that we did see with within this film, and then also probably with Cheney's career is that um, you know maybe the vice president is just kind of the guy that goes out and does events and shakes hands and doesn't often have a, a lot of power. As we see with Pence just sitting there in the middle of a conversation and not and staring blankly staring at the blankly wall these days. While everybody's going after everything. Um, and, but that wasn't him. But this is not Dick Cheney. He no. basically did sit back and observed everything. And then, you know, to his aside, to his in, you know inner circle... Had a lot of stuff working. A lot of influence, a lot of yeah. stuff working. Um, and, that, and that was probably, it's, from what it sounded like, that was the agreement that he had made with with George W. With George W. When when he signed on, because... Who's played by Sam Rockwell. That's great. Who, won, who didn't, didn't he win the Oscar, Oscar for, for uh, uh, three, three Billboards? billboards yeah. 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 And, and he's great in this. And he's great in Way, Way Back. And he's great in Way, Way Back. But he, but this movie, so Christian Bale is going to get nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor. He could w- actually win this. He could beat Bradley Cooper. He could beat Rami Malek, Rami Malek for yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. He's that good. He gained 40 pounds. He, he looks like Dick Cheney. He talks exactly like Dick Cheney. I think he's... A, and when you see him in real life right now, he's a skinny... Yeah, he's a stick. Skinny Aust- <laughs> is he Australian? Or is he I British? He was British? I think he's British. I get those accents mixed yes. up. Uh, and he's great. And Amy Adams is great, who was in Arrival and nominated for an Oscar, and Sharp Objects, who was great this year. I think she gets nominated possibly for uh, supporting actress playing his wife in this film. And then Steve Carell is great. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell is Rumsfeld. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell's having a really good what year. What a good year for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's just good he's stuff. Beautiful boy, this. And Allison then, Pills in this yeah. film. And so is Tyler Perry in a supporting mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of genius to insert him in this. Uh, and it just kind of follows that whole thing through politics and all the way up to... Remember when he took the shotgun out and he was out hunting and he shot... He was hunting on Bush's ranch, right? Bush's ranch and he pulls in up in a truck or a car and opens the door and shoots and somebody. And shoots somebody. You know, and then... The <laughs> and they just kind of... Made it go away. They just kind of made it all go away. It's Listen, this is good odd. stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this film. I, I think, and what I'm gonna, and I'll finish here. But the first thirty minutes, I had trouble getting into the rhythm of the film, and it's probably my fault, not the film's fault. It's a little sloppy in the beginning, and then this film really kicks off about a third of the way in, and becomes to me a true film, a true film that I, I got it, I got the style of it. I got into it. I thought it kind of evened out cinematically just the way it looked. It wasn't as jerky and as goofy 
and got really serious about mm-hmm. politics and things in a satire way. Well, I think it, that it is interesting then, you know, kind of take take uh, personal bias or whatever that maybe I have some right. for the the character, but just filmmaking. I, like, I thought it was a really, it was a very interesting um, kind of snapshot of of a, a person's history of a time. And right. yes, how, how truthful or not truthful um, it actually is. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, I'm not sure either. But I did find it. I, I think the statistics that they point out in the film are accurate mm-hmm. uh, about just about Cheney and the things that he was. Well, and getting in. into war. Getting I mean, he was war. a huge right. advocate of us getting into a, a kind of nonsense war. He kind of loved a good conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to compare this to uh, Oliver Stone made a film called W, which was a really wasteful film to me. It wasn't very good, and it was all caricatures mm-hmm. and. And that one film didn't work. This one is completely different. I think these are, I think the big short and this mm-hmm. film, Vice, are both Oscar level films. They're on a whole another level. Those other films, you know, W, I, annoyed yeah. me so bad I could barely watch. I felt bad. Even, even if I agreed with the politics, that movie was a bad movie. Mm-hmm. So, and if you're, um, if you're of the ultra tea party, uh, ilk on this film, you're going to hate every minute of this film. <laughs> I just want to be honest about that. This is not an homage. Yeah. It's not a celebration of life. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's really interesting. I think that's where movies make are challenging because I, I love to see movies that I might... I don't... If I only went to movies and liked them because I agreed with everything in it, I would never go to the movies. Right. I love hearing other sides and other things. Yeah. And I like seeing opposite points of view. And this mm-hmm. is an opposite point of view, not necessarily for me, but for a lot of people. And I, I'm, I'm really challenged by this film. It's a really smart, interesting film. Yeah. Cheney. He's got a shotgun. Look out for him. Yeah, so Vice. Um, so we're going to uh, soften this up a little bit okay. with our pairing. So one thing I, I did like, so um, Dick Cheney was from Wyoming, mm-hmm. big sky country, lots of, you know. Well, Montana's to, big sky country, isn't it? They Montana, kind of, Wyoming. they're, I don't know, they're yeah. right next to each other, yeah, Gary. Are. Come on, go with me on okay. this. Okay, they're all, it's the it's big the, sky, It's the frontier Montana. land. It's, yeah. it's the, you know, it's the land that everyone wanted to go to. And now, yes, we are going to go to Montana with our pairing, but. Yeah, but I was trying to tie it into Wyoming. Well, and it's true because Wyoming, we both been <laughs> well, there. Well, and big that's sky. That, then yeah. you do you think of uh, we spent time with some friends in Cody, and uh, I've been up to Jackson Hole, and it is it's it's beautiful. We shot guns there, or we, I did. You did. I don't shoot guns. Um, but my pairing from another big sky country, yeah. Montana. So uh, Pat and Stotesbury um, had met in. Well, they both were attending college in the Bay Area of, of California and had ventured into Napa Valley quite often when they were in school. And then kind of after graduating, I think he went to Stanford. She was at the University of San Francisco College. Um, but after graduating, they kind of went back to his hometown, which or his home in Minnesota, and he began a very successful career in banking. But she always loved this kind of big frontiers, kind of big sky country. Very movie-esque. And um, so she, they eventually kind of bought a very expansive ranch in Montana. And that was where she kind of spent a lot of her time, though, kind of going back and forth. But that was, that was kind of her home away from home and her getaway. And, and they did have this very beautiful... Um, I think that they have four kids total. We're friends. Um, 
lovely friends with one of them, Nicole, mm-hmm. and um, kind of had this whole, this was their life going back and forth. But then another movie reference, I want to say it was when Robert Redford made A Horse Whisperer. So yes. when was that? Uh, 20 years ago. 15, at least, yeah, it it has ago. to be at least 20 years. Yeah, because it, Scarlett Johansson is the young girl. Yes. In it. So yeah. they've had, because they, they've had their Napa winery for over 20 years. So it's over 20 years ago when the production crew needed a place for either Redford to live or, or for this crew to live or something, some sort of tie-in. Basically, they asked to use their house. And so they moved wow. the Stotesbury out of their house for two months and during the filming of this. And so it's kind of like, okay, where are we going to go? Yeah. Well, we always love Napa. We haven't been back in a long time. Let's go back. And so they spent that time when the film was being made in Napa and kind of re- fell in love with it fell in love with the the mountain you know the the mountain fruit mountain vineyards um i think there's a lot of of similarities between especially the mountain mountainous parts of napa valley not obviously just vineyards and valley Mm -hmm. floor but when you get into the mountains and you see the rugged terrain between that and you know some of the the landscapes of wyoming and montana very much so and and according to nicole his according to their daughter nicole they literally kind of went back to to minnesota he continued his business, but they kind of said, okay, um, we're going to sell that ranch in Montana and we're moving to Napa. And it was kind of this whole overnight thing. And this like childhood playground of their kids all of a sudden was gone. So they could start a, a winery in Napa Valley. They wow. started Ladera Vineyards um, 20 years ago. Their first uh, property was purchased on uh, Mount Veter again. And I think if you're going to think of any of the kind of rugged terrain within Napa, Mount Veter's the is probably the most rural, you right. know, it's, it's very, very steep slopes. It's a lot of un, um, undeveloped land, um, kind of unruly. And they, they started with, um, I want to say they had 480 acres total that they purchased of which 75 acres were planted, um, to mostly Bordeaux varieties. And they began their Ladera winery and vineyards. We, they had, um, they purchased a historic property up on Hell Mountain also with vineyard land, um, that we tasted with them um, a few different times. They renovated that old barn. That old, it was an, it was one of the kind of 1800s um, old Napa Valley wineries um, and, um, per, can, you know, kind of started their production of these very, very earthy, masculine, iron-rich... They make good wines. You know, really bold. Really good wines. Uh, Cabernet, really vibrant, lush, racy Sauvignon Blanc, just really, really beautiful wines, and and kind of had always wanted to maintain the the true terroir of of the vineyards and that kind of rugged, rustic um, nature of of the vines. Nicole's a gun girl. She is. Well, that's, she's she a sharpshooter. Yeah, she she grew up on a ranch, and she is. yeah, she grew up. She uh, big sky country and shooting. She is. Yes. Yeah, and every once in a while they got to run the varmints off the vineyards. And you, how are you going to do that? You got to get out there and shoot, <laughs> yeah. you sharpshooter, Nicole. Isn't that fun? Yes. And I think the movie reference is fabulous because the whole. I mean, basically. 
basically they're in Navic because of Robert Redford. Pretty much. And they made the horse whisperer and they got a break and yeah. rediscovered that. And next thing you know, the 20 years later. I hope they sent him a case. <laughs> Ladera, L A D E R A, is that how you spell it? Um, yes. Ladera, Ladera once. That's great. Yeah. When we come back on Cogill One and film A Perfect Pairing, a remarkable new cooking show. It's on Netflix. It has both of us just raving about the quality of chefs and the quality of food. It's called The Final Table, and we will be right back. The holidays are here, meaning now is the time to try WineAccess.com. And as Haley and I always say, sharing great wine makes the holidays even better. And Wine Access makes it so easy to just to drink the best. Absolutely. And as it is holiday celebration season, WineAccess.com has a fantastic selection of sparkling wines and champagnes on their website. From premium Billicard Salmon Champagne Blanc de Blanc Grand Cru delivered to your doorstep in a 1.5 liter Magnum for $170 to the Bollinger-inspired Cremant from the Loire Valley, non-vintage Languois Chateau Cremant de Loire from Loire, sold at an impressive $20 a bottle. Yes, traditional method sparkling wine from the land of Versailles for 20 bucks. Well, that sounds fantastic, Haley. And you know, Wine Access's philosophy is that they offer higher quality wines at better prices than what you'll find in most stores. And over the past few years, their team of experts have tasted over 20,000 different bottles, from the smallest vineyards to the most iconic winemakers, and only select the very best to offer. And Wine Access shares their full story with us, where the wine comes from, what makes it so great, and they deliver that wine to your doorstep, making it so simple. And we want you to enjoy these fantastic wines for the holidays. So we've arranged this exclusive limited time offer with Wine Access. You're going to get 20% off these wonderful wines that are already at a great value. But the only way to get this offer is by going now to our special website. It's wineaccess.com slash cogill. For full details, go right now to wineaccess.com slash cogill. That's C-O-G-I-L-L. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Now, first there was Chef's Table, which we loved, and now it's The Final Table on Netflix. It's another high-end cooking show. This one, a competition that features 12 pairs of famous chefs representing different countries from around the world, and they're judged by some of the best culinary minds on the planet. I think it's 10 one-hour episodes, and I'm going to say it had us hooked from the very beginning. Yeah. We love it. We watch every chef's show we possibly can. And they're not always great. They're not always great. <laughs> and there's a formula. You know, you have the food network doing their formula. Yeah. And then you have a top chef doing their Bravo, right. doing their which formula. Which is one which, of the very best. Good. And yeah. then MasterChef. And, and there, right. you know, there are lots of different iterations of, of a cooking competition. Um when we kind of started watching this, the first thing that came to mind was like when Top Chef does masters. So you have really high quality chefs that are cooking, you know, kind of in competition together. But there's there's a respect amongst that that crew because they've all one, many already known each other, and two, um, have respect for each other's work. But that's predominantly a U.S.-based show. I think the beauty of what Final Table did was bring in these chefs from all over the world, all with different influences. You know, you had a Canadian chef, but his whole thing is that he cooks... Japanese food and so it's it's kind of some things that are out of the box and then 
the who they're being judged by are not only some of the the main icons they're kind of two rounds where you have um kind of a first plate that is judged and then if you don't you know make the mark then you have to go on and cook for um to be judged by a kind of premier chef right and and so that the first round are kind of the icons of their country. So it could be a supermodel, or it could be a food critic, or a wine writer, or um, or another chef. And then if you don't make the cut and you have to to go on and cook, then you're judged by one of your countries or one of that particular countries because they kind of walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, different countries where you're cooking that particular cuisine from Spain to France to, to Japanese to Brazilian. Right. Um, then, you know, you're kind of cooking for an icon. And that to me is what made this so special. Like these people were so, they wanted almost to be in that, in that second round to have a chance to have their food judged by these iconic chefs. Yeah. Their incentive. They, they have all these chefs said it. Yeah. And by the way, the level of chefs yeah, the, the, is about as high as you can get yeah, in the world. Yeah. So they're not just some guy trying to be a good chef. Right. Uh, one of them is the was this. Um, he wasn't the sous chef, but he was the chef de jour at at uh, French Laundry. He was exe- yeah. He was executive, executive chef, chef under Thomas Keller. Under French for years. Yes. I mean, this guy. And every country has somebody yes. like that. But um, usually these shows are based on a lot of yelling and screaming yeah. and a lot of conflict. And, okay, you have to now cook outside under hot rocks <laughs> and it's going to be raining in the tent. And the, and no, this is all about um, quality of ingredients, respect for the ingredients, yeah. respect for, you know, it's like Iron Chef with 12 pairs. Right. And cameras flying over and that set is enormous. Yeah, just the quality. And the shots yeah. of food yeah. in here are just, and the food that they make, is some of the most breathtaking food on television. You know, it, it's kind of like Chef's Table, but a competition. Right. And rather than spending an hour on one chef. And they do a little background research on every chef. Which and is I, really nice. Yeah. I felt like I got to know these chefs. I, and, and they pair, some of them are unlikely pairs. Some of these pairs of chefs know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but And they eliminate a pair every, every episode. And so when you finally get to the final, I think there's three pairs mm-hmm. left. And then you know one chef wins, or well, one and pair then wins. they're yeah. exactly one. Well, then one down to the final competition. You have basically the two people that have been paired the entire time, time. now are going against, against each other. Against each other for, for a one seat chair at, the final at the final table, table. and a seat to bum, sit bum, bum, bum. with you know the the chefs that have judged them. These mm-hmm. these incredible chefs. Well, Grant Grant, I want to say, I mispronounce his name, but Ockets. Grant it's Ockets, but yeah. I always want to say Ashots. It's Grant Ockets. <laughs> Yes. And who's, uh, I mean, that's a destination yes. for all of us yes. and out of Chicago. And he's one yeah. of the, he's one of the main judges in this. Um, and just to have to cook for Grant is really amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the chefs that are cooking, I mean, you could reverse that and put them. Absolutely. Well, I think that that's kind of the interesting thing is, is because so many of these people are so accomplished and 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 you know and i liked some of the the pairings in their story i mean there there's one group the australians that both of them are you know have are longtime chefs of michelin starred restaurants so they're you know very very and kind of old school french classic french cuisine kind of um cooking against you know this kind of Hippy dippy, um, very you know. You can tell he chants a lot and probably is you know <laughs> meditating as we speak. But he also um, repurposes all the throwaway and, and he, foods. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
guy that is French cooking with what was his partner was Mexican yeah, or Brazilian from, or yes. something like that. Um, Latin America. That, that yeah. they had, I, I think he might have done a stage at the same hotel or same restaurant with him in France um, or in Spain. I'm sorry. Uh, and they're, both of their whole culinary um, point of view was that they use everything. Like they'll use the, the tops and the bottoms. I mean, basically right. it's, it's not just tail to snout. It's like all of the it's, – it's the turnip greens and mm-hmm. the, the carrot tops and all the things that you would – you know, many chefs, especially those that are – you know, so classically trained and everything has to be, you know, your, your, every, your Julian yeah. better be precise that throws away all that stuff. Cause it doesn't actually go into the, you know, conform cooking. Um, it's an, it's an interesting kind of, that's one of the best things I've ever yeah. seen. So I was reading some uh, reviews of it the other day and people knocking it. Really? Yeah. And I was kind of like, what? Really? You're not going to, yeah. Like, why do they have an American in there? Well, you know, it's like, stop that. It's an international cooking competition and it's just food on the highest level. I, I think food on the highest level is often um, Iron Chef. Mm-hmm. And Iron Chef America was really, mm-hmm. really amazing to watch because they all have great ingredients. There's no budget mm-hmm. and they're making what they want to make. And these chefs are all making what they want to make mm-hmm. with a secret ingredient. Mm-hmm. And they, they just blow it out. I just think this is amazing. Stuff. Well, then, and, and there's not really a, that's what was, I think, cool is that there was a, when they went to different countries, they had a kind of theme like tacos. Yeah. And so, but you know, think of all the different ways you can create a taco. Right. And what's your shell and what are you going to put in it? And mm-hmm. what's the, and what's the actual definition of a taco? And so you do get into as much the culture of that country, which in today's world of um, isolationism, yeah. <laughs> especially in this country, um, Let's look abroad. Let's see right. where the cuisine that we that we call comfort food comes from, because mm-hmm. often it's not from America. Right. And I get excited when they say next week we're going to France. Yeah. And I go, oh, it's all French cooking, yeah. and then we go to Japan, and, and we go to America. And there, yeah. and because I don't, you know, I don't understand a lot of of Japanese cooking techniques, and mm-hmm. so to see it recreated in this beautiful format. By a Canadian. By a Canadian was really, really fantastic. He has a and restaurant then, in Calgary, then, I think. And I don't, you know, we don't want to give too much away, but the, like, to see the reaction to how his work is presented, I think there was a, I think that, like, the chef broke down into tears because of the respect he had for who was judging right. him. Yeah. And just that. You know the cooking industry is interesting, and and there is the 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 people that that work in in restaurants and in hospitality. There's a, a very interesting breed, and it's not just you know slapping. When food is presented on a plate, there is so much thought and effort and care going into that, mm-hmm. and and it's not just something that that is you know around and I don't care if if it's your burger that's wrapped in a you know McDonald's piece of wrapping paper or or your you know three Michelin starred plate presented by yeah. Grand Austin's. Um it's there's I, I that goes there's so that. much thought and there's so much respect and I think that you know it's it's an interesting industry because it's 
it's um, it's not a high paying industry until mm-hmm. you get to that level. You know, a lot of people that work in kitchens are 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 not working in banks. You know, there's right. there's a perception that that it's some people that maybe this is all they could do. But then you watch these people grow within their careers. It's kind of like the the story we told last week of Rolanda Herrera that started out as a dishwasher and now is a incredibly well celebrated winemaker. I think it's I think food is accessible and uh I, I watch like a, we're watching a supermodel show that's not accessible for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be and I can appreciate all that. But every time I see a plate of food I think to myself, could I make that? Mm-hmm. And I think I could with some practice and I could I could almost simulate that. Uh but it's at least accessible in its form. Mm-hmm. To do that, and I think you do that too when you see stuff because we 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 love that kind take in, of yeah, and yeah. I take inspiration from a lot. Yeah, take, but I would never dream of being on that. No, no, and I couldn't. <laughs> but but I but I do, and I think working in a restaurant now and watching some of these these kids grow within their career, yeah. and and then seeing really beautiful plates of food come out, it is very very artistic, mm-hmm. and and sometimes I think that when we're in the hustle and bustle and we're just trying to to get you know go out to dinner and have a quick meal. Or, or, or get food on the table, or whatever. We we forget some of that that beauty and the yeah. care and the time and the ingredients and the respect for the ingredients and and you know kind of that celebration. It's it's what Joanne Bondi did when she opened Stocks and Bondi with her with you know she wanted bone broth, she wanted high quality. It's not easy to do. It's it's very labor intensive. And she's doing it in the most precise way, in the you know with with premium product to create something that that is very nourishing for yeah. your soul. And that at the end of the day, it's because it's to make you yeah. feel good. So and the show's really about it's really respect. beautiful. It's about respect. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very respectful and yeah. really kind of fantastic. So on Netflix now, we highly recommend it. Can't yep. wait for you to see it. Love it. So. As this week is Christmas, we thought it would be fun to end the show with some pairing ideas, of which I have a handful of suggestions on my website, redwinewithbreakfast.com. But Gary's going to do a little flash pairing with me, running through some ideas. So what's on your holiday table and what to pair? Gary? Okay, so I'm going to throw, I'm just going to throw something and then you'll pair with it. Yes. Can we just do that? Yes. Okay, here we go. Uh, What do you pair with, okay, seafood and shellfish? So like crab, lobster, that kind of. Sure, yeah. So I would say Chardonnay because right. we love a good creamy Chardonnay. Um, also, you know, think of your Chardonnay maybe like more a winter Chardonnay. So something that's a little bit richer, a little yeah. bit of oak on it, a little malolactic. Creamier? Yeah, yeah. Something a little bit because yeah. it's also cold outside in most places. Um, so you kind of want that winter white kind of warming um, feeling. So nice. something like a wild yeast miner. Minor wild yeast Chardonnay. One of the Great bottles. Know, even something as as classic as a Jordan Chardonnay or Frank Family, always a good mm-hmm. go-to. Um, Chateau Montalena, I yes. will drink any day. Gurgach Hills, some of those. You know, kind of some of your, your higher-end Napa shards, I would say, ideal. I just love to say wild yeast. Wild yeast Chardonnay. Wild yeast favorites. Chardonnay. Okay, uh, a staple during the holidays. Not for everybody, but for some, it's turkey. We just had Thanksgiving, but a lot of people serve it at Christmas, we too. We love a turkey for Thanksgiving. We love a good turkey. And for Christmas. Yeah. And any time of year. Yeah. Um, Pinot. I yes. think Pinot Noir is always good. And I would almost say um, a California Pinot versus an Oregon Pinot or a Burgundy. 
just because I think it's maybe a little bit more red fruit driven versus kind of earthy forest floor truffle driven sometimes. Um, but that red fruit, especially if you're having, you know, going really traditional and doing the cranberries and all that, yeah. then you kind of need some of that juiciness. Ramsgate, one of our favorites. Ramsgate. Ramsgate, Carneros Estate. Amazing Pinot. Um, landmark, Overlook, Pinot, really great um, Pinot for price point. Um, Suduri, Russian River, Pinot, delicious wine. We talked about Max Wines a couple of weeks ago. The yeah. Vision Cellars. Vision Cellars. Um, Pinot's from um, kind of throughout San Lucia Highlands and Sonoma, really delicious. Yeah. The Gary's Vineyard would be great. Gary's Vineyard. Gary's Vineyard. I like that. Yes. Okay, so let's go. Uh, so you're going to have duck. Well, well we're going to do duck breast or we're going to do wild game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like venison or something yeah, like, like that? Yeah, like venison or something like that. Or um, going out. Or, or Nicole's going out to shoot, shoot the bird. I was going to say. Shoot the bird, pluck pheasant. it. <laughs> Which we had some Quail. friends do that. Yes, we did. And then you prepared it. I pre- prepared um, duck from, from... From a hunt. From, from a hunt. Yeah, it was good. I would do like a, a roan, like a Chateauneuf de Pop, something okay. like that. Maybe, um, or like a good kind of meaty, uh, smoky Syrah. Um, David Ramey makes a really lovely, makes a couple lovely Syrahs that we enjoy. Uh, or I would just go really classic, like a Baccarat or a Guingadas um, or Chateauneuf de Pop, something like that from, yeah. from the Rhone That's region. beautiful. That's beautiful wine, too. Yeah. Plus, it's good to say Chateauneuf de Pop. <laughs> starting, starting to sound like one of my famous chefs. Yes, dear. Okay, so on, uh, you know, for me, I mean, just pound for pound, I just want a beautiful roasted tenderloin. We did, you know, we I haven't done a tenderloin since we've since we've moved, yeah. and I know I'm you're about ready to. You're missing that because yeah. we used to. That was kind of our go-to. Melt in your mouth tenderloin. Yeah, beef tenderloin. Cook um, it under and let it warm up. Not pork. We pork gets too dry, but a beef tenderloin. Yes, beef tenderloin. Um, chateau on kind of tenderloin. I would say a lighter bodied um, cab, maybe a just or a, a Bordeaux blend, like or a cab franc. Um, you know, single when when cab franc is made into on its own as a single variety wine, I and done well. I just love it. You have all these gorgeous floral notes. You have a, um, an herbaceousness, but not a green herb, but like kind of a, a soft woody herb uh, that actually allows the, enhances the fruit flavors. Um, Chateau Lagasse is, is one from Saint Emilion that I love. Chateau Saint George um, is another Saint Emilion that I, I really like that has a little bit more Merlot versus Cap Franc, but again, kind of that that side or just you know robert mandavi winery has a single variety cabernet franc that they um produced they produced a couple of years now and and it's really good wine for for you know from napa Valley. yeah okay uh say you're doing heartier like you know you because tenderloin doesn't have fat on it so you right. want a ribeye that's got fat around it because it's yeah. where a lot of that flavor from comes from so it's either braised meat or so or, or like a or short like rib a rib or something like that or a short rib yeah. yeah yeah i would probably say something a little bit richer like that would be your full-on big fat cab big fat napa cab or even like a good brolo something that's got the tannin that can and, and with balanced acidity you know a good combination of both that can cut through all that richness and all that fat nice i love being a big yeah. fat cab so we put a whole bunch of ideas also up on um my red wine with red, blah, blah, blah. 
Red wine with breakfast. Rolls off your tongue. Red wine with breakfast, <laughs> which is one of the greatest website websites names I've had of it for all 15 time. years. You yeah, think you I could say it? Oh, so you're going to put all these up there. Well, yeah. Th- so yeah. they're already on um, my red wine with breakfast website. Okay. Um, so some good ideas and, and kind of pairing selections. So, yeah. so if you're help. out there shooting your stuff this year, just look for a good roan. <laughs> If you're shooting, if you're shooting the bird, if you're shooting, shooting the bird, the bird. that didn't sound right. Gary Kogel, everyone. I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> off because we're getting close to Christmas. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. More Oscar contending films, either in theaters or on demand, including Ben is Back, starring Julia Roberts, and we're going to have a candid conversation with wine access expert Eduardo Dingler. I like saying his name. We're going to have Eduardo on the show. You want to do that again? Yeah, let's say wineaccess.com. 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 Okay, go ahead. Okay. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, more Oscar contending films, either in theaters or on demand, including Ben is Back, starring Julia Roberts, and a candid conversation with WineX. Oh, one more time. Yep, go ahead. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, more Oscar contending films, either in theaters or on demand, including Ben is Back, starring Julia Roberts, and a candid conversation with WineAccess.com expert Eduardo Dingler. But for more on our discussion today, follow our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha. Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first state invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.